Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello, listeners. Hello, David. Hello, recorder. Hello, table. <laughs> That's was, pretty much it. I was on the uh, train on London, London Underground the other day. Yeah. And this um, was a Japanese family got on. Yeah. And the little girl, and as they got off, she went, Goodbye, Twain. Oh, really cute. Well, that's nice. And I thought, oh, I thought my cold heart was close to any uh, happy emotions. <laughs> Although you know, there is a there is a time in your life when you have to put aside childish things. I mean, your friends would worry about you, myself included. If whenever you got off a train, you said goodbye, Twain. Yeah, but we, we would worry about you. Yeah. It it wouldn't go alongside your usual demeanour. If someone said that when I when I was with them, I'd say stop being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, and cut you, that shit you out. Probably wouldn't away. call them again. Yeah, have you, have you been out with um, Merritt lately? He's just saying goodbye to things. <laughs> goodbye chair. Has he got cancer? Goodbye toilet. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Not. Um, right. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, before we start, though, Merritt, we should mention that we are sponsored this week by Her Film Project. Um, herfilmproject.com or at herfilmproject on uh, Twitter and this is an organisation that helps promote diverse voices in film so they started out uh, a while ago now but they started out with um, promoting uh, female voices in film which is why they're called Her Film Project but they're now branching out into uh, all sorts of underrepresented people so, so if you're the sort of person who says goodbye to inanimate objects maybe you'll count why not give them a call yeah yeah, but uh, yes, check them out, herfilmproject.com. So, Marek, you've been to the cinema. Yes, I went to the cinema, and uh, I went to see The Handmaiden. Okay, now, I went. I, I nearly went to see this. Oh, I did nearly you? went. Well, well you... I saw it in the cinema window, you know, it was like, ah, ah. Mm-hmm. Korean film, right? But based on a novel by a British writer. It is based upon... I think possibly one of my favourite ever novels. Really? I'm quite an avid reader, and this is based upon an absolutely brilliant book called The Fingersmith by uh, Sarah Walters. The Fingersniff? Fingersmith. Oh, Smith. Not The Fingersniff. That's different. I'm not going to go down this path. <laughs> um, so it's too easy, isn't it? Um, and it, there was a British adaptation of it. Uh, it was serialised a few years ago, which I haven't seen. Was it called The Fingersmith? Yeah, I think right. so. Um, anyway, this is the film that's based on it. 
and this is the problem so when you go in and you've read the book you're it's always a difficult position very because you have to put aside the fact that you've already had a very different and possibly deeper experience reading a book but also you know what's coming yeah it's a short it's a short story format film and so if all of the surprises are gone it does tend to diminish it yes and i think that's what happened to me so and also the book is so brilliant this is just the first two acts of the book right they sort of ended they sort of went oh do you know what we'll just finish that bit there and then denouement of the book, I hate to use that word, but that's a word you have to use, isn't it? Really, well, it's it's it, what it is. Yeah, yeah. is so brilliant in the book, it's so clever and so shocking, and you don't see it coming. That it, it, it I I was expecting that, and that never when it when it sort of finished two thirds of the way through, I thought, oh, what? Right. Nonetheless, this film is excellent. It is it's shot absolutely beautifully. Um, it's a story of um, it's a poor Korean family. And um, and they're a family of crooks, but it's not really explained much in in the film. Right. And then there's a job. One of them um, finds out that there's a job going as a maid, a maid to um, a, a rich uh, Japanese heiress. And the and the plan is that they want to get the maid, this this bloke who's um, managed to get in there as her art teacher. Right. They want to get help the the maid to help um, the ha- the heiress to fall in love with him, so that he inherits all this money, and they're going to put her in an asylum, and so he will get all the money, and they will share all the money between them. Right, that's the plan. So it's just a sort of um, what's it called, like a sort of hoodwinking scheme. Sure. What's the word for that? Uh, well, I don't know, a hoodwinking scheme. Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah, not write that's, it? That's the word, I think. The hoodwinking scheme. Um, now, this is... It's... What's odd is, is that... This book's quite famous because it's sort of... Uh, the first sort of... It, 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 it's quite Jane Austen-like in its sensibilities. Right. But is a, is a love story which is between two women, possibly. And that is the real centrepiece of this and, what, and their relationship. Whereas... The film, a bit like Blue, I talked about Blue is the warmest colour being one of my favourite, favourite films ever. Mm. It does feel that, obviously in the book, there's no, there's not, it's alluded to, and the sex scenes are not necessarily big things. Whereas in this, it just felt a little, a bit pervy. Right. I would love to uh, have, have a sort of, uh, uh, no, I don't, uh, speak to um, a lesbian friend and ask them what their interpretation of the sex scene was whether this was just the male gaze yes. doing it and it was just because it felt like a man directing two women at a point it's not a big thing in it but it just felt this is a slightly pervier version of the book and there's a little bit of that and isn't needed really, yeah possibly. and there's a bit of sort of allusions to the weird octopus porn thing that oh you know, yeah yeah, yeah. tentacle just, porn yeah I don't even understand what uh, uh, it, there's a sort of allusions to that in it and for me I, I it's just a, a fact that I love the book so much I think the book is astounding and it just never lived up to that but nonetheless 
is a great film. You can tell when you're watching it's good, yeah. but I think I know what happens here and I want to see what your twist on it is. Because I've just looked up um, who directed this and it's uh, Park Chan-wook, who uh, people may know because he did... Um, uh, Old, Old Boy, Boy yeah. is the famous one, uh, which he wrote as well. But he also directed Stoker, um, which I've talked about on the podcast before, which is a... Um, an English language film with uh, Nicole Kidman and um, uh, what's her name Uh, 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 Wazakowska that girl I've watched Stoker as well yeah Um, as well as uh, what was it called Sympathy for Thingy sorry Sympathy for Toilets that's it Sympathy for Toilets Uh, no I'm racking my brains Sympathy for Mr Vengeance that's the one which I haven't seen but I have heard is good and then Lady Vengeance as well but Old Boy is a phenomenal piece of work so it's it's well directed then I take it yeah there's nothing wrong with direction I just feel as though the um, I'm just deeply prejudiced watching the film I'll give it seven or eight Marricks but I can't judge it properly because it's it's someone remaking your favourite memory so it really clouds and taking out a lot of the bits of it and then bringing forward weirdly others it, I thought the it doesn't act- sit well uh, knowing a book well and then seeing it acted out unless the book's kind of shallow I think <laughs> it's difficult yeah it's really hard I mean I was trying to think of what books there are the film is better than the book and the very few one I did um, read was, um, after I saw the film I saw Drive which mm. I loved and that's based on a book called The Driver Right, and the book is not anywhere near as good as the film, but there are very few exceptions. I think Watership Down, Watership Down is a brilliant book, but I think the film was also brilliant. The first adaptation is mm. is brilliant, but the, uh, what? So that's the question for you: What films where the book is better? Good question. Where the film is better? Where the film is better? I'd argue that. I mean, Apocalypse Now is based on um, uh, Half of Darkness. Darkness. I never really liked Half Darkness. No, it, uh, well, no, I've read it. I mean, it's a quite a it's, loose adaptation of yeah, it. It is, but, uh, it is. Different war as well. Yeah. But, um, no, it adds it adds more layers. And But Heart of Darkness is about the right length to make a good film out of, because it's, it's a short book. Yeah. Um, and I think that's often the problem. As I said, it's film is a short story medium. Like, 90 minutes is not a long time to tell a story. Well, you see when they try and tell... Like, The Hobbit was uh, three awful films it didn't need to be three hours let alone nine yeah. I mean it, yeah but that was just greed there was, it was nothing but greed that of just trying to spin out another trilogy when it wasn't needed yeah in terms of the acts I really loved um, I want to really I'm going to absolutely ruin these names the lady played Lady, lady Hiduki Min Hee Kim was brilliant but I thought that the other actress playing the, the handmaiden um, uh, Tari Kim was at some point not as good as I had hoped okay and is it all in Korean or is uh, it's in Korean and Japanese right but I couldn't all they do is at the start they say the white subtitles are Korean and the, oh, the yellow are uh, Japanese which is quite a good idea but. so okay yeah so what language they're speaking does come into it in who yeah, I just didn't notice it right, because I'm not yeah yeah it's, it's so hard to read that fast it's really hard, isn't it? Especially reading a colour. But I would recommend... I'm fascinated. I, I, I think I'm the, the wrong person to go and see this film. If you haven't read The Fingersmith, please go and see this and you will enjoy it. I think it's very different. It feels sort of uh, a, a very edgy, 
like a Jane Austen film, but with sort of quite erotic scenes and a bit sort of darker, mm. a lot darker version of that. Okay. Well, there you go, The Handmaiden um, in cinemas at the moment. Um, right. Well, I think it's time for this. Here is a letter from Mark Dixon on the subject of Star Wars slash shit in a bucket man. <laughs> he says, hi guys, thanks for all the great recommendations. I particularly appreciate the Netflix and YouTube stuff as I rarely get to the cinema. I watched Rogue One recently and although I quite enjoyed it, I couldn't help wondering what they could do if they deviated from the standard war film genre they seem to repeat. I would love to see a taut thriller or murder mystery set in this universe. Do you have any ideas for types of films you would like to see uh, set in the Star Wars universe? Moving on, I would like to introduce you to Shit in a Bucket Man. I see him as a character in the forthcoming Bumming Man movie. Shit in a Bucket Man shits in a bucket, places a purple cape on his newly formed mini-hero and then gives it a name. Usually Clive, although he has been known to call his turds Shirley, Ahmed and even Reese. Once caped and christened, he flings the powerful beast at the nearest assailant. Anyway, a shit in a bucket man would say, keep watching the films, Clive. Um, well, thank you, Mark. I mean, to go with your second point first... I mean, it's always an honour when there's fan fiction, isn't there? But yeah, it's, um... I, I think Shit in the Bucket Man is a good idea, but I think you're mistaking the fact that Bowman Man's a classy film. It's not like I'll go around and mm. it's just... It may be called The Bowman Man, but it's more of an art film. If any, anything Once you've genre. seen it, you understand the title, don't yeah. you? I mean, that's the thing. It, it is an art film. I mean, it might, it might be Boo Ming Man. Uh, Boo Ming Man. Yeah, Boo mm, Ming Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite clever, though. That's quite clever. There's more than one meaning. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, but thanks. But as for um, Mark's point about Star Wars, and, and it's a broader question, I suppose, but I could not agree with you more. In fact, I was thinking about this only this week, that these massive franchises do tend to get stale because they repeat the patterns too often, and the uh, way to get around this and to breathe fresh life into your universe would be to do a different genre film. Yeah. I'm thinking of one example from recent times, which is 10 Cloverfield Lane, which Cloverfield is an enormous monster movie, and 10 Cloverfield Lane, set in the same world, is a psychological um, bottle episode thriller set in a bunker, and it works brilliantly. And yeah. It makes the world seem so much more inhabitable because you're not party to all the significant events that happen in it. And I think Star Wars would be a perfect place to set this. They, From what I've read, because I'm a big Star Wars fan, have been from, since I was very young, and there was plans for a adult TV series about bounty hunters set on Coruscant, which is the planet at the centre of the empire which is an entire city that involves a planet and it was set there and was about tracking down criminals and people nothing to do with Jedi or you know the epic battle for the stars it was just like set in this world so you've got the same races and everything and you could really focus on character and I think it's a brilliant idea I, I think they should be doing that with the films. You know, you, you can have your episode 7, episode 8, episode 9 that keep doing the massive uh, space opera war stuff. But then let's have some let's have some other films set in this. I think it would be a, I think it's a perfect idea. Yeah, the percentage of films that actually involve saving the world is far too high. 
Yeah. It just seems, oh, right, well, we're saving the world again. I mean, one of the greatest, uh, I think 10 Cloverfield Lane's a perfect example. You've got that huge backdrop of something. Yes. Which gives you that load more texture. I think it's this. It's there's a there's a real escalation uh, in trying to trump what you've done before. And when there are so many films in a franchise, there's an inflation uh, that g- goes on every time. It's why there are so many films that have a portal in the sky because mm. after you've destroyed a massive gun and then a man who can fire lasers out of his eyes. The entire sky turning into the baddie is the only. There's nowhere left to go. You know, it's just a massive portal in the sky, and it's boring. Massive portal in the sky is a boring adversary. It was good when they did it in Ghostbusters because we hadn't seen that effect before. Yeah. We have now many, many times, but, and I think it doesn't have to be the world at stake for it to matter. Well, Aliens are a perfect example. You've just got that, and you've got all the characters are brilliant in that. If you up. like the character, the fact they're in jeopardy is enough. Just getting them to safety is enough of a mission. Yeah, I think that... that I really like the films that sort of started off with that Agatha Christie's Technical Indians, I suppose, mm. where you've got ten people and they just get knocked off one by one. Yes. That would be great for Star Wars, just to have some sort of weird yeah, thing. proper sort of murder mystery thing. Or, yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, they've set up... It needs to still feel Star Warsy, so they've set up smugglers and uh, you know with um, with Han Solo and then with Jabba the Hutt they've set up there is organised crime and they've got bounty hunters who you know and these are peripheral characters in the main saga but you could you could find out you know more about it yeah and that bar they all go to is brilliant you know that's a uh, Mos Eisley with all of the different yeah areas. yeah so there's plenty to play with huge amounts to play with I mean if, if anything George Lucas you know he one of his great strengths with the original trilogy was Releasing action figures, so which all had names, so you could learn the names of characters who are not named in the film, you know, and that's why people got obsessed because you know, you see one shot of this weird alien drinking at the bar, and suddenly you can buy the action figure and find out his name. Yeah, like, kids love that stuff. Um, no, couldn't agree more. Here's another letter from Stu. Subject worst. Worst I made it through, this is about the worst films, or worst that weren't completed. It's complicated. Worst four to see films. Attack of the Clones, left. Mad Max, new one, fell asleep. Guardians of the Galaxy, slept. Woke, left. Countless ones turned off at home. I can't now think of completely worst films. If I finished it and thought it was shite, was it not bad it was good enough to finish? Or complicated? I need to sleep. It sounds like Stu wrote that probably about four o'clock in the morning. I wonder if Stu has a um, uh, a sleeping problem, maybe narcolepsy or cataplexy, because it sounds like he falls asleep a lot. Yes, I mean, maybe maybe seek medical attention, Stu. Um, I mean, that's a lot of sleeping during very loud experiences. Yes, I mean, uh, you just get some rest. <laughs> just get some rest, mate. Get well. Um, here's a letter from Jules. Jules says. Following Chris Webb's realisation of the fact Andy is in a single-parent family, um, this is in Toy Story. Chris Webb wrote in uh, with the the realisation that there is no dad. On the quiet. Okay, yeah, during a during a letter, that's a good time. Um, uh, Jules continues. This puts an interesting new spin on the entire saga. It potentially turns the Toy Story into a sort of benign version of the Babadook. Nothing much else to add, just the idea tickled me. Keep watching them, guys. Cheers, Jules. Uh, if you've not seen The Babadook, it's a it's a very good modern horror um, about a single mother having to raise a slightly emotionally troubled child. 
um, and with supernatural connotations as well, uh, which is very good. But yes, I can I can see that that you know the whole thing being delusion, Toy Story. Yeah, put a different slant on it. Have you seen a film then? Yeah, I've seen a film. Yeah, um, it's not one that people have recommended explicitly to the podcast, but one that people have told me is good in passing, and it, it's been out for a while now. So I just it was one that just go, yeah, actually, I'll watch that. Um, and it's the disappearance of Alice Creed. Have you seen this? Um, I've heard it's a bottle episode thing, isn't it? It is. It's a British film uh, starring Gemma Arterton as Alice Creed with. Eddie Marsan or Eddie Marson, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but he's yeah. brilliant. And Martin Compson, who you uh, Compton, who you may know from Line of Duty if you watch that, but he's a Scottish actor. Yes, yes. Um, who's also very good. And it's just the three of them, that's it. But it's from 2009, and the story revolves around these two guys who kidnap a girl, Alice Creed, uh and lock her up in this apartment and then try and get ransom money off her father. Six pounds? Six whole pounds. Uh, that's how much they... Uh, well, spoilers, uh, whether they get their six pounds or not. Okay. Um, so that is it. It is set almost exclusively in that flat. It is a character study. It had um, elements of Bound. Did you ever see Bound? The film that um, the Wachowskis made yeah, before yeah. The Matrix, which is... Uh, Gina Gershwin, Joe Pantaleano, and um, Jennifer Tilly. Yes. Again, another crime thriller in a single place with only three people in. But uh, so that you you there are twists and turns, and you 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 discover more about the relationships and blah blah blah. You know stuff you expect from a bottle episode when they they have to do this. Great opener. They nobody speaks for possibly the first fifteen minutes. Like it's all oh, done with it. Nice. It's great. It's great. You know, which just raises the tension slowly, and it is quite shocking actually at the beginning as well because you don't know their intentions. You don't know if they're going to hurt this girl, and it's you know it's quite grim. Um, and everyone in it is is brilliant. I mean, I've I've been impressed with Gemma Arterton, who people sort of on the map really wasn't it? This one, I not? think so. She she had been in St Trinian's, I think as the lead in that so it was clearly you know a very beautiful woman but this was the one where she showed a bit more acting chops you know and then um, the other two are fantastic as well it, it's a thoroughly enjoyable bottle episode that I, I have some problems with it I think it doesn't quite manage the depth that it should be doing for such a slightly grim tale yeah um, it's you can see the function of the different bits of the script, if that makes sense. So when it takes a turn, you see it as a piece of writing, not as the characters driving it. Does that? Do you know yeah. what I mean by that? Yeah. Where you just go, oh, I see what you are trying to do. No, it's, it's hard to try and get the escalation uh, when you only got make it natural. Ma- yeah, yeah, make it organic. Is it set over? What is the time period of it? It's about three days. Okay, so from kidnap to uh, making ransom demands to arranging a drop off and blah blah blah. Is it satisfying? Because a lot of the time with these bottle episodes, mm. I feel, oh, that feels like a a good low budget play, but I seldom feel satisfied by the end of it. It's interesting that because I would say probably not entirely. Uh, the towards the end, it feels like they had uh, 
four or five uh, slightly twist endings uh, that they thought of and rather than picking one just put them all in end to end so it, it, it has false endings you know they're called in writing uh, yeah. but it has about three of them and ultimately it hasn't picked whose story it is I mean are we supposed to be seeing this sort of perversely through the eyes of one of the kidnappers or oh, are see, we I supposed see, to I be see. seeing it through Alice Creed's eyes because okay. it's her and it simply isn't Alice's story but then sort of becomes it near the end and so it ha- it's there's some there's some there's an element missing there feels to be just there's some depth missing that I'm not I can't quite put my finger on uh, but it ultimately ends up being as you've described that it's not quite as satisfying as it could have been but it is it's a it's a well crafted you know romp which for it being three actors and that's it it's you know it's good it's enjoyable is it on Netflix or something like that um, yeah I, I found it on one of my streaming services I'm not quite sure which one because uh, there are quite a few you can get stuff I think I did the video shop equivalent of getting it for £2.50 okay um, just to rent it but um, no it's it's well worth a watch and if any budding script writers out there I think if you want to make your first uh, feature, then a bottle episode is a bloody good call to try and get the budget needed to make one. And this is this is a good one, so watch it and sort of learn the lessons from it. I think it's no, it's you can do a lot with visuals, and the tension is there. The tension is definitely there, and I think that's one of the hardest things to achieve. Brilliant, brilliant performance. And it was a, the director wrote it as well, Jay Blakeson. I believe so. And was it was it a debut? I didn't look that up. Um, I'm just a, looking. He was now. a writer on the Descent, which is a great uh, film. But yes, he'd done two oh, J. So it might be just the letter J. Could be a man, could be a woman. Not sure. Who knows? But uh, two short films, and then this, and then a film called The Fifth Wave. You heard of that in 2016 with Chloe Grace Moretz? No, I've not heard of I've that. Not heard of that at all. Um, but a few things in the works. A few things in the works. But yes. Um, a bold debut I'd say and uh, no interesting enough well done love yeah I'd probably give it I'd probably give it 6 to be honest that's pretty much what it got on IMDb isn't it 6.5 right. right. yeah 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 why not why not watch it after all if you've watched every film that's been given a 10, 9, 8 or 7 it's time for the disappearance of Alice C. Reed. yeah and he's probably well, to be honest he's probably quite old Hey? If you watched all the films, given ten, nine, eight, no, it's taken you seven. a while. You've got a lot of free time, certainly. So don't. What is no point watching it? Well, no, I, you know, maybe, maybe as a maybe as a palate cleanser because you've you've enjoyed all those perfect films. Maybe just just come back to the plebs a bit. So you need to watch a bad film every now just and again. To reca- recalibrate. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you you know, is it like in, you might fly too high in January when you watch all the Oscar films. You get used to thinking this is how good cinema is. And then if, if you only watch films, you were an alien, you came down, you only went to the cinema in the summer and just watched, you think, these humans are watching real shit. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Expensive shit, though. Really expensive shit. It's not as a rip... And, and there's no lasers in this. <laughs> no lasers? Come on. That was a lasers That was a cool back to last week's episode of the of IMAX, IMAX lasers. with laser. Um... Alright then, that's about right. That's about it. I think we'll be back next week, fingers crossed. But in the meantime, keep watching, watching the, the films. films.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.